Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me bezzy mate Sarah chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life, for attention. Hello. Hello there. How are you feeling? Well, yeah, I'm good, but just this very second, quite scared because a group of youths have appeared outside on bikes and they're doing lots of shouting. Oh, God. I'm really scared of young people. My number one, like public enemy number one for me is a a pack of teenage girls. Oh, it's teenage boys for me. Well, these are boys, but if it was girls, I would go into hiding. But, how, but, yeah, otherwise... but obviously our listeners will know that they won't have missed the fact that we had a week off mm-hmm. yes, so we just need to explain that Sarah's not been very well bless her <laughs> so know, what happened too. and how are you well I'm fine now I'm a bit I mean defo a bit knackered and also brain foggy which is stressful mm. um because I went to tell my manager a story today in our catch-up and she went sorry can I just interrupt you and I was like yeah she went you told me this yesterday oh that's rude she should have let you tell it again I know she she did say she was like if you want to tell it again you can do and I was like oh that's oh. nice <laughs> yeah she really lets me get away with a lot because I was like you know I've also been sending emails and then getting replies and I don't remember the original email that I sent and she was like okay um but she was hungover today on our um catch-up so I feel like I could get away with a lot but basically what happened was uh, over the weekend, it was my friend Ewan's 30th birthday and we went to the pub on Friday night. We went to Go Ape on Saturday. Turns out, Paul, I am quite petrified of heights. Oh, yeah. And it was awful. The first, There's just something so unnatural about throwing yourself off a ledge that's 50 feet off the floor. Yeah, that's not, I don't think that's for me. Everyone was just launching themselves straight off and then it got to me and I was like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> actually i'd quite like to speak to a manager i did it i did it and then saturday we went to his for a house party and then sunday we were going to the beach for like a hungover recovery kind of day and i'd woken up and i was like a bit rough but not as not any more rough than i usually am on a sunday morning and i had breakfast and i was just booting about and then i went to the beach and as i was at the beach i was like oh I don't feel too good. And then progressively was getting worse and worse and worse. Had to leave the beach, come home. And then at about, I want to say, 7 or 8 p.m., the projectile vomiting started. It was not good. And then I was throwing up all night. And then I thought, I still thought I'm just really hungover, even though I felt otherwise fine. I was like, I'm just hungover. I'll be fine to go into work tomorrow. So woke up on the Monday, my alarm's going off. I was like, yep, yeah, fine. Got up and then almost collapsed. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell my manager that I'm going to work from home today. Um, messaged my manager saying, I'm going to work from home. She was like, oh yeah, take it easy, babe. And then woke up. That was the last thing I remember. Woke up at 1pm mm, ish. No, maybe it was earlier than that. And then I had to message and be like, oh, basically I've just fallen asleep for the first six hours of the day and then yeah that was it I've just been a bit of a write-off this week but I've had a lot of stress um culminating in moving flat this weekend so there's been a lot happening and yeah 
but I've had today was a big day that I needed to get out of the way and that's done. So now I'm feeling a lot better. A lot so more positive. When you say moving this weekend, when? So tomorrow I'm going to go furniture shopping in the morning and then I'm going to start packing up in the afternoon and then probably carry on packing on Sunday and then move Sunday afternoon, Monday, Tuesday-ish because I've got next week off work. Oh, so, yeah. how bad. I mean, I can't be bothered. What's also a nightmare is that I've lost my driver's license so I can't hire a van. So I'm yet to cross that bridge, but... Oh, no. I will do. I will do. Moving's absolutely crap, isn't it? It's the worst thing. And also, I haven't moved. So I got to a point where I was moving every sort of 10, 11 months. And I've been renting for 10 years. And I've had about 17, like lived in 17 properties in that time. But for the last two years, I've just been in this flat. Mm -hmm. And the amount of stuff I've accumulated. I was looking at all my stuff the other day. And I was like, it's fine. It's just clothes and books and like the odd saucepan. And I was like, oh, no way. I've I've got four rugs, four rugs. I've got three chairs. Like, just, I was like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm not, I'm not rich enough to hire one of those companies that just send a lot of fit men in to wrap everything in bubble wrap and move it for you. You know what they do, though? They charge you for them getting home or some shit. That's what I remember. We budgeted it, and then they went, oh, no, it took them two hours to get back to the depot or depot. How do you say that? Depot. Right. And I was... Right. Oh, all right then. Um, that was just doubled the price of it. Fucking out! Can you imagine if they stopped off at the pub on the way home and they were like, well, um, uh, six pints." Well, they probably uh, fucking did. <laughs> yeah. So, really stressful week, but it's the weekend. Other than tonight, and tomorrow night, I'm not going to drink, and I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday, use by the way. <laughs> And I'm just going to be really adult about it all. What I've really impressed myself with is that normally if I was a little bit under the weather, I would have had the week off and I would have just, re- I would have put everything off for future me to deal with. Mm. And this is the first time in my life where I've been like, actually the illness is going to have to come second to everything that you've got to do. And I think that's a real sign of maturity. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to tell you to not work. We're going to do the I'm podcast. Right. That's why we missed the week because you were like I can still do it I was like no 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 stop it <laughs> <I was laughs> don't so survive a week without us <laughs> imagine if our listenership had dropped 50% I know they've well, all died off maybe and and then we had another I had another infestation in this flat I'm not going to go into depth because it's ridiculous and it makes me sound like a criminal but this is this has been by far the worst one the the mice the fruit flies and the ants are all child's play compared to what I've been doing within this flat for the last week. Well, what animal was it? They were flies, Paul, but they were goose. It was geese. <laughs> Imagine if it was moose, meese. Fucking okay, meese everywhere. Just 10 feet tall moose everywhere. <laughs> Every morning, one would just antler its way into my bedroom and go, get up. There's a moose loose about this hoose. <laughs> um, yeah, there were there were flies, but they were unlike any fly I've seen before. I thought a mouse had died under the floorboards and that they had um, used its rotting corpse as compost, whatever they do. But turns out they're not the right flies, so they're called cluster flies. What they do is they come in because they seek warmth, but then all they want to do is get back out again because flies are thick. So I've been killing up to 30 of these flies a day, Paul. Oh, my God. What, how big are they? What colour are they? 
they're all black and they're probably, I mean, they vary in size. You can tell the young ones from the big ones, like the old ones, because the old ones are like big and bumbly and you can just hoover them really quickly. But the little ones are agile. They're like new in this world. They've got mm. some like zest. They're, they're like this big, the big ones. Fucking wow. huge. And I went to work one evening at the theatre and then I came back and they'd like quadrupled the amount. They were all around the windows. It was apocalyptic. I was like, you know what? If I wasn't already moving out, I'd move out. Yeah, I think that's a sensible idea. Fucking hell. And then I had people viewing the flat today, just this last hour. And as they were like in the bedroom, I was trying to kill them. I'd see one as they were like in the living room, just buzzing by. And then they'd go into the bedroom and I'd like, <laughs> with this absolutely toxic spray that I found. Anyway, I've got a really good story to tell you, but tell me how you are first. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's I'm staying at night Friday because... I'm going, oh God, it's just started really, really hurricaning outside. I love that though. Oh yeah, because I'm inside. That's great. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Warwick Uni tomorrow for an open day. Not because I'm just fancy and doing a degree. <laughs> I'm taking a lot of children. <laughs> I have to leave central London, bearing in mind I live in zone four, at 7.45 a.m. <sighs> on a coach. So oh, I have no. to, yeah. Uh-huh. So I think I have to get up at, by my estimation, at six a.m. Oh, that's and, so bad for you as well. You oh, especially not. on a fucking Saturday. But this morning, mm-hmm. I woke up in the middle of the well, the middle of the night to me, which it said half six on my phone. So yeah. I was like, you know what? It's half six. I have to get up at six tomorrow. You know when you do that thing where like, I'll ease myself into it. So I thought, <laughs> I'm up. I'm awake. This is fine. I'll get up. So I went in the toilet and then I came back, checked my phone. It was actually half five. So I thought, oh, no, that's a bit too much. But I was <laughs> not easing yourself in. Yeah, plunging. But I thought, you know what? I am awake. So I should do this. I should just get up and make myself a coffee. I was, I was thinking I've got three and a half hours till I need to start work. I could literally watch two films. And I thought that sounds quite decadent. I should do that. So I just pondered that a little bit more while I was sort of dozing. Uh-huh. And then I came to the conclusion, I was like, no, if I feel awake now, then I'll just set my alarm for seven and I'll be absolutely awake with an extra hour and a half sleep. So I set my alarm for seven and I couldn't open my eyeballs. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. horrendous. I thought, no, no, no. Uh, and then I just turned all my alarms off and went back to sleep on my back, which I never do. That's how tired I was. And woke up at half eight, which is way later than I usually get up. So brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to have an absolute nightmare tonight. Oh no. I know. And I'm considering taking an emodium tomorrow morning because as we all know, well, first of all <laughs> Wait, go on. Do you know how delicious emodiums are? No. So, I've never because that's never been a problem of mine. It's a problem of mine and I Oh never... no, wait, I've got the opposite problem. What you're constipated? No. What am you I need, trying to say? You need Imodium. I need Imodium. Yes, well, here we go. Imodium is delicious. I had no idea, right? Because I'm just going to go full disclosure here. I shit a lot, right? A lot. And I've grown to like this part of me because me back too. in the day, I used to think, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like, whatever. Went to the doctors. I had fucking every blood test and they were all like, no, you're absolutely fine. And then I thought, you know what? that's fine there's nothing wrong with shitting quite a lot and some people would dream to do it exactly mm-hmm. the alternative is so much worse that's how I appease myself and doing a poo and immediately after doing a poo are two unparalleled feelings yeah yeah 
And so my struggle has been, because as you all know, I'm an extremely semi-professional runner. So that's quite hard because I think this is a common Paula Radcliffe. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, well, exactly. But I think it's common anyway because you, you are just jingling your guts around for a long time. So when I'm doing a long run, I always have to really... When I did that first marathon, oh, my God, I, I got up like two hours early and just sat on the toilet thinking, whatever is in me needs to come out now because I have to run 26 miles and that is just not going to work. But And I did a great job of it and didn't need anything for the marathon yeah, and yeah, felt great Paula. didn't Paula second time I did the marathon wasn't quite as good at the training thought I can fucking do this I don't need to do the training as much and I didn't do my two hour sitting on the toilet session and unfortunately I was very close to a Paula and um <laughs> that really scarred me and it wasn't a nice experience anyway I say all that to say I'd never thought about the fact that you could take an emodium so I googled it and yeah you can so I was doing a long run on last Sunday and I thought, I'm just going to pop some emodiums. You have to take two to start it. They're delicious. They're just like gorgeous. You don't even have to swallow them. You just pop them on your tongue. And it's like, it's it's just like molten sugar that it's really, go- oh, honestly, gorgeous. You're not allowed to take too many. Otherwise, I'd be just eating them. Just eating them. <laughs> yeah. So this is what I think I'm going to get an addiction because I thought usually there's a toilet nearby. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not incontinent people i'm not saying i'm incontinent but i like to know that i can just dash off to a quick toilet when i need it yeah and i thought so what's gonna happen is so i don't i can't drink coffee before i go to work like this is getting this is getting a bit much isn't it but i can <laughs> drink coffee when i get to work just it's more psychological anyway yeah. so i thought if i'm getting up at six then i need to go into central london takes an hour get on a bus at 7 45 a.m get to warwick on a bus with no toilet. So I started to get a bit stressed thinking, oh, this is, what am I going to do? Where am I going to, the best toilets used to be, rest in peace, Topshop on Oxford Street. They had a toilet in the bottom Are floor. You mm-hmm. Oh, no, I have. I have visited those. So toilets. when you, if ever I was in Central London, I was like, at the very last thing I can, you know, my option is always to go there. Anyway, so it just came to us. I'm going to take Imodiums tomorrow genius isn't that genius I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess where warwick is because i've not got a clue oh okay so from the sounds of it alone i think it's north of london mm-hmm. and east absolutely not all right it's near well warwick university campus i believe is in coventry really do you know where coventry is north uh, east well, no, because I've just said Warwick's not east. So how could Coventry? Not like north, north. Not like but just just a, like an hour outside. I know Coventry's close to London because that's one of the stops on the train sometimes. <laughs> um, I, but I mean, still no to east, it's west. Damn it! Well, it's northwest of. It's near Birmingham. It's pretty near Birmingham. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Well, Birmingham's not east. East, west, it's all the same. <laughs> Hey, anyway, well, that's my poo story. What's your great story? Oh, my God. So I apologise in advance for how frustrating this is going to be. But for privacy rights, I'm going to have to be so elusive with everything in this story. But I'm going to give you the bones of it. Okay. So on Sunday when I was at the beach, um, one of my friends had brought along somebody that he had met at a 
at the climbing wall on Friday and he fancied them. So he said, oh, come and hang out with us all on the beach on Sunday. And this person came and they were quite a lot younger than the rest of us. They were 22. And I was like, oh, I'll chat to them because this is awful. Hanging around with loads of like late 20s, early 30 year olds and not knowing anyone. So I was like, hi, what do you do? And they went, oh, I'm an actor. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, stage actor, are you in theatre? And they went, no, no, I'm, I would love to go into theatre. Um, I'm actually up here at the minute filming a series. Oh. So I was in. I was in as, as I could be when I was on the edge of what was going to turn out to be quite a terminal illness. And I was like, oh, so what's the series? And they said, oh, well, contractually, I can't tell you the name, but I can tell you that it's going to be on Apple TV. So I was like, holy hell. And then I said, uh, oh, well, that's amazing. Well done. Did you train? Because I thought, you know, uh, like I know a little bit of the, the biz. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll try and hit them and impress them with my knowledge. Mm. And they went, no, no, I didn't actually train. I, um, yeah, I was really lucky with it all. And I was like, no, you're going to have to elaborate, mate, because this is getting too annoying. And they said, yes, I was just doing my A-levels, just doing my A-level final drama piece. And um, an agent came to watch it. And sorry, an agent then... came to watch someone's A level final drama piece. Where did they go to school? So I was like, that detail. This isn't checking out. So then I was like, all right. And then and then they said, and then two weeks later, the agent signed me. And then just two weeks after I'd finished my A levels, I was shooting my first film. So I was like, holy shit, I am talking to the next best. I'm talking to the next Meryl Streep because this person must be so talented. Like to just walk into that, you must be fucking talented. So I was like, well, what was what was the film thinking later on? I'm going to go and watch this film. And he said, oh, you won't have heard of it. It was an independent film. And again, I don't want to give too much away because this is how I later on found out what the film was. They were like, it's an independent film and it was made um across two countries so for the sake of this conversation i'm just going to say england and america but it wasn't those two countries um and it premiered on sky america say so they were like you'll never have heard of it or seen it and i was like oh you know what i'm bored of this conversation now because you've been too (laughs) so i was like okay and also i was feeling quite quite nauseous um so i went home threw up and with the clarity that host vomit offers Mm. I thought no fuck no I need to know what this film was I need to know what this film was and I need to see them act because I get to then claim that I discovered this person when inevitably they sweep up the Oscars so I was thinking right all I know is that this film was American English and it premiered on Sky America back well and they said it was just after the Ray levels and they were 22. So that means that it was shot or it came out in 2019. So I'm like, okay, that's enough. So after some intensive Googling, I found the film. I found the cast list. I found the person that I was talking to on the beach. Turns out that they are the child of an Oscar winner, Ah. a Grammy, a Grammy winner. And when I say Oscar winner, I mean best actress in a leading role. Holy I'm talking f- big 
now I'm talking the film that their parent is best known for is I think the most successful film of the 21st century <laughs> I know I could not believe it and also one of my friends who didn't come to the beach on Sunday because he was too hungover is the world's biggest fan of this film has a cap with this film on it that they bought from an official gift shop for the film and immediately I called him and told him and he was like uh, sorry text him and he was like I can't I can't deal with this information oh my god this is really frustrating do you, when you, say, do, you have a, do you want to have a guess if and if you get it right we can just bleep it out because I can't do that to them when you say most successful film of the 21st century you mean money wise I think, I th- yeah, at the time, definitely, and like, relatively speaking, what's the word when it's all in line with inflation and stuff? But since 2000, you mean? I can't remember when it was shot. It was early, either very early 2000s or very late 90s. Let me just double check. I mean, that's not the film that they won the Oscar for, but it's I still... think I, I think I know which actress you're talking about. I bet you do. It was filmed late night. It came out late 90s. Yeah, of course it did. We'll just edit the name out. And actually, listeners, if you want to know who it was, I'll tell you. But you've got to email in specifically requesting it and paying us a compliment. Yes. Oh, great. What's that called? Extortion or something? Blackmail. (laughs) Yeah, brilliant. That's a great idea. Holy shit, I didn't even know that person had, well, children even. Never mind, A-level age children. A couple from a few different marriages and this person was from the first marriage and where I like to play the dilemmas game with my yeah. friends where I give them a set of dilemmas and they have to tell me what they would do to get out of them blah blah and one of my favorite dilemmas is if you were kidnapped and for some reason or other the traffickers said to you you're going to be trafficked they said to you we are going to send a text to two people in your phone list and they then have 100 hours to use whatever resources are available to them to come and find, to try and find you. We're not going to give them any information. We're just going to say, you've been kidnapped. Who are you going to text? Who are you going to ask them to text? Uh-huh. And this person said straight away, my mum and stepdad. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, stupid. Because parents are too emotionally invested. They will not be able to keep a straight, like 100 hours. You're joking me. They'll spend 99 of those hours flapping. You're the child. That's absolutely not. And they were like, no, no, no. I would definitely text my mum and my stepdad. And I was like, well, that's stupid. And they were like, well, it's because my mum's actually very practical, can be very focused. She would absolutely just get the job done, blah, 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 blah. Well, of course she fucking would if it was. Of course. she Like, if you're being trafficked and your mum. You're being found. Yeah. Wow. I no. And and the met at the climbing wall. Yeah. That sounds like a fake story. No, legit. He's yeah, very confident person. I can't believe you just let me spend seven minutes talking about me sh- potentially shitting myself on a coach to Warwick, and you met an A-list superstar's brethren. Is that the right word? <laughs> Kin. Wow, that's an excellent story. Sorry, yeah. listeners, that we didn't get to tell you who it was. But get if touch. you want it, 
get in touch because I will tell you if you ask. Ten pounds a pop. The issue is that they are now moving to this city, so they're filming something here, but then they're now going to move to the city permanently. So what I then did when I found this information, I was tell everyone that I knew that mm. lives here. Mm-mm-mm. So. Fingers crossed they've got a different group of friends because otherwise I have just corrupted this option for them. <laughs> oh, brilliant. That was I know. satisfying. Right, Sarah, it's time for the book and the drink. Mm-hmm. Try me in a crisp. I know, we'll have to be careful because there's nowt worse than people eating crisps on a podcast. I don't know if I've ever heard that, but I can just imagine it. <laughs> some, it might be nice for some people. Yeah, some people might poke themselves over it, but not I. <laughs> so this, people, we are reading... Raven Smith's Men, which is... All right, I'm just going to read this thing out. Following on from his critical smash debut, Raven Smith's Trivial Pursuits, Raven is back with a pin-sharp, hilarious, and incisive exploration of what it means to be a man in the modern day. Part memoir, part commentary on masculinity, Raven Smith's Men isn't so much for men as about them. Raven has been trying to distill what it is about men that has kept him intrigued his whole life. It boils down to three things. Firstly, he loves them. Secondly, he can see how endlessly problematic they are. Thirdly, both these things converge in his own sense of self and his own masculinity. This book is about men because, in an annoying way, everything is. We live in a patriarchy, but Raven has no agenda or vendetta. This book is his noticing of particular dynamics, a caution, oh, is it reverence or reverence? Reverence. Reverence of a life lived in parallel with other men, observing observing masculinities, odd amorphous, mm-hmm. amorphous boundaries. He's both curious and terrified of his own participation in the great male privilege. And while this book will not shy away from difficult truths, it will also make you laugh an enormous amount. Thanks, Waterstones. And then to wash it down, we're having two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. What's your lager of choice? Right. So I went to Sainsbury's and I mean, it really is a cost of living crisis. I don't buy lager very often, but it's it's a bit mad because so my lager of choice is, well, it's Peroni's probably my favorite, but I don't know the, the distinction enough to, uh-huh, yeah, Sarah's got it too, um, to... I don't know if I would be able to do it on a taste test, but I like Peroni, Moretti. Is that, are they both Italian? I guess so. Italian lagers, yeah. although Moretti is actually brewed in the UK. Exactly. So, yeah. But anyway, you know what one of my biggest disappointments in life is, is when you go to Sainsbury's, like a big Sainsbury's, mm-hmm. and they've only got a certain amount of stuff in the fridge. So <laughs> if you need to drink it very soon, it's usually wine for me or Prosecco. So you've got the decision of buying the cheapest one off the shelf or buying mm-hmm. the ones that they've sneakily and cunningly put in the fridge that are two pound more, but they're cold. So yep. I'll end up buying the cold one because I don't want to show up with a warm bottle of Prosecco, not an animal. Oh, so of course the Peroni was on offer two pound 20 down to two pound, which I appreciate isn't that big of a difference. And mm-hmm. the fact that a pint of Peroni in the shop is 220 is insane but anyway of course all of them are gone so I thought I have got an hour until we're recording the podcast but I do quite fancy cold beer now so I got a cold pint of Stella oh yeah and then I got two warm peronis off the shelf and put them in the fridge so I've had my pint of Stella and now I'm onto my first peroni did you get the big peronis yeah the pint ones the more than a pint, it's actually a li- well only like 
Well, I suppose it is quite more than a pint. Yeah, it is a bit more than a pint. 20. I've got one Prony and one San Miguel. Mm. So I like Italian lager, and it's a toss-up between, for my favourite, Italian lagers or Japanese. Have you ever had an Asahi? Yeah, lovely. Oh, okay. More expensive, though, in Sainsbury's. It was like 2 40 for a, p- a pint of Asahi. I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, they weren't available in mine. Um, te- I should have got tenants or Innocent Gun being in Scotland, but... Yeah. No, I wanted to be Italian. No, Italian. Is uh, San Miguel Spanish? Mm, yeah, it sounds Spanish. Let's just have a I quick... Bl- oh, it's Mexican! Mexican! Oh, mm, nice. Um, what crisps did you go for? So there were pork scratchings in the shop, but I just I just cannot. So I've gone for bacon crispies, which is my attempt at bacon rashes. And I've got a hack. Uh, just turn your mic off here. Ah, clever. Oh, she's having a bacon rash and you can't see her a thing. Look what I've Delicious. gone for. Uh-huh. New. Monster Munch Giants. They're fucking huge. They're the ones that I wanted to get. I really wanted Monster Munch, but again, cost of living crisis. I know. Find the small packets, which were one pound twenty each for a small packet of Monster. Munch. Well, this was one pound fifty on offer from two pound. It's one bag, and they're just huge, giant roast beef Monster Munch. And I, I was going to say, is that roast beef? Oh, I like them all. Pickled they didn't on. have them. They only had these, but I like them all. And I remember one time. My mom was concerned about my crisp consumption and she asked her sister, Claire, who's a doctor, Auntie Claire. And my Auntie Claire said that if you're going to eat crisps, you should eat Monster Munch because they're corn based or some shit. I don't know, which is more healthy Maze, than anything they? else. Maze, yeah. I bet these are. These are. Oh, no, these are quite, quite, quite bad for me. They're vegan, though, which yeah. is actually a, a synonym for health. Yeah. Maize. These are rice flour maize. So oh, they're oh, baked, aren't they? are not baked, not fried, mine says. Um... This is what will, when I finish this, it will be my fourth packet of crisps today. Yeah, I love crisps. I, I can't, I, I did get scarred, so I don't eat as many anymore. We don't have them in the house and stuff, but I just l- l- love crisps. Do you remember Vanilla Monster Munch at all? Okay. Oh my God. Okay. I've got a story about Vanilla, vanilla Monster Munch. Go on. My mum, before she retired, even though she's now back working, was a nurse and was so health conscious and it meant that me and my brother every day for our packed lunches had the most nutrition nutritional lunches you could ever have if if we had a sandwich which was rare we usually have like spag ball or something in a flask um it would be on brown bread and the, it'd be mainly salad and like no ham anything like that Ugh. and then it got to the point where i was beating up other kids for their snacks because they'd have like penguins and club bars and whatever mm-hmm. and i'd have some chopped up carrots and cherry tomatoes and I'm like in hindsight thank you mum but at the time no four-year-old alive wants to eat four cherry tomatoes a handful of carrot sticks and a tuna sandwich that's mainly lettuce on seedy brown bread there's Ooh. not a child alive who wants that and then if we were lucky as a treat on a friday we'd get a muller corner yogurt not ones with chocolate no the big strawberry jam ones anyway <laughs> <laughs> Even Jamie Oliver doesn't need that shit. I know. So then um I think, yeah, maybe something was said. Like I remember the headmaster having to tell my mum, like, please give us some sugar because she keeps taking it off the other children. <laughs> and then my mum had bought us these crisps, these monster munch vanilla crisps, and I was a deprived child of of fun things. So I could not 
wait all of the first half of the day all i was thinking about was these crisps i was like these are gonna be fucking journey and i opened the packet and i remember at lunchtime we're sitting on the grass and i locked eyes with my older brother who was sitting further down the field and we neither of us could believe our fucking look obviously we were ignoring the rest of our pat lunches opened these crisps took one out popped it into our mouths and it was like <laughs> stuck in the devil's dick <laughs> oh my god you know what i've this is obviously why they didn't last because I did. I mean, my mom was less strict on things like that, but she all she always was weird about processed food. And my mom still got that in her, but she doesn't understand that some. Well, I think she doesn't know what's processed and what's not, and she'll sometimes just <laughs> eat really. Odd, and I think she'll like she thinks cheese maybe is a processed. Thing. Anyway, um, anyway, so I remember. Vanilla Monster Munch came out. Huge Monster Munch fan. So I was like, right, I have to get my hands on these. And my mom was like, you will not like these. And I was like, yes, I fucking will, Mary. So <laughs> I begged, I begged, I begged. She was, she's quite like thrifty, she says, because she says she's a Yorkshire woman. So she doesn't like to spend loads of money. So she doesn't <laughs> like waste or anything like that. So mm-hmm. she Short got arms, us- long pockets, the Yorkshire lot. <laughs> <laughs> she got us these vanilla monster munch. I was so excited. And um <laughs> they also had little prizes in sometimes. Oh my god. So, <laughs> I opened the, the vanilla monster munch. I was sitting on the kitchen floor next to the crisp. We're only allowed one packet of crisps a day at this point because of my addiction. And I'd already had some crisps. And then I thought, I'm going to sneak myself and get some vanilla monsties. And my mom was the kind of person who used to, like, if you hadn't even eaten enough of an apple, she would take it out of the bin and eat it. (laughs) (laughs) And one time, I'm sorry, sidebar, but one of the funniest times ever was when me and Stacey had been for a night out and came back and got a kebab. No. And and didn't eat much of it. No, it's, it's funnier than that. And then the next morning, we went downstairs. And it was in the bird bath. <laughs> and there was oh my like God. a flock of birds eating this kebab out of the bird bath. <laughs> she just put everything in the bird bath. Like, we'd be eating this, <gasps> like this breakfast, and if it wasn't finished, you'd just scrape it into the bird bath. <laughs> my, grandma, my grandma and used to do that, like whole roast dinners into a bird bath. <laughs> Tell you what, the birds loved it. But also... Oh, yeah. Also, the cats loved it. Ran, ran, That's probably why we got these monster seagulls now. I know. Fucking alley cats coming round, fucking eating the birds and eating the kebab. Anyway, <laughs> so I opened the Monster Munch. They were vile, absolutely vile. So I was really scared to tell my mom that I didn't like them. So I got some um, double sided sally t- tape, double sided <laughs> sticky tape from school. Uh huh. And brought it back and resealed the packet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and then just from then on, I threw one packet out a day until they were gone. <laughs> <laughs> and she never knew, but she listened to this podcast, so now she knows. <laughs> <laughs> that feels quite dictatorial, doesn't it? My mom's so laid back, but I was so scared about stuff like that. Yeah, no, I we used to get that the the old the children starving thing. I remember once not being able to leave the toilet, leave the toilet, sorry, leave the table <laughs> until I'd finished all of my tea, and 
the only way I could get away from the table for periods of time was to go to the toilet. And I just had a whole fucking mounds of broccoli, like a whole forest of broccoli on my mm, plate. Amazing. I remember chewing, 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 chewing it into a paste, packing it into my cheeks and being like, <laughs> and I would be like, yep, go upstairs, spit it into the toilet, <laughs> flush, flush it down, go back downstairs and start the process again. <laughs> must have taken me about an hour to get through that broccoli. but And she must have known. It was just psychological. Well, that she'll be like, oh, Sarah, Sarah poos a lot. It's fine. I know. Yeah, it worked. It worked. I'm relatively healthy. Well, not now. And that was the thing. Did you have this thing when you were allowed to start buying your own food where you just went a bit to bananas? Oh, yeah. They used to do before Kit Kat peanut butter came back. It was there that it went. And then they did years later, they did a, a campaign where you have vote on them. And I did a literal campaign for myself. I changed my facebook photo to me eating a peanut kit kat and made everyone vote for it and then they got in but anyway before they then were it was so good and they're, they're still so in... bad though oh did yeah, they? yeah. This, they're, they're back because of my campaign single-handedly but very much. it was five for a pound in the shop next to school and i used to eat five a day well <laughs> at least you're getting five or something a day i know exactly mm, sorry let me just crunch this crisp okay Quickly, just before I ask you what you thought of the book, I didn't know we had a mutual love of Monster Munch. I fucking love Monster Munch. Oh, that's stunning, sensational. I think they should bring out a new flavour just for excitement. Have they got a prawn cocktail on the go at the minute? Or was that if, a summer special? If they have, I've never had it. Mm, yeah, was, I'm sure I saw a big pink packet in my Sainsbury's not too long ago. Anyway, so Paul, what did you think? Come on. <laughs> It's like you're doing a bush trucker trial, Paul's covering his mouth. <laughs> okay, Sarah. Yep. So, <clears throat> I didn't know who Raven Smith was before this at all. Like, at all. So, he's pissed. It was, I know. It was a little bit when I started, like, reading the biography of some random person I'd never heard of, which I couldn't relate it to anything. And so then I looked him up on Instagram his instagram is hilarious it's so funny so genius i'm so jealous it's the kind of i tried to do a meme account once and it's you know what it's really fucking hard doing memes it's loved that meme yeah meme account it was so good i had about 12 and then i had to give up but it's just creating the memes that did it and he's cut some corners by just putting a picture and putting the meme in the comment and i always wanted to do that but i thought i'm not famous enough anyway hilarious i don't know if that same personality translated into this book in the sense that I didn't laugh out loud a lot. I think it's probably a lot to do with the fact that I didn't know who he was. Um, I think that he had some really interesting anecdotes and stories and things that I could on some level relate to as a gay man. I think we definitely lived different lives as a gay man. I think there's the kind of person that Raven Smith was who was not... I think he was probably quite a cool gay man. I think he probably hung out with other gays and was a scene queen and all of that stuff and very tall and all of that. That was not me. I was a scene queen, but none of them knew who I was or noticed us. I was too busy doing like stupid things like, I don't know. Hitting head off a wall. Hitting heads off walls. I don't know, stealing Spice Girls posters and getting kicked out. And it, it just felt like a different world that he'd lived in that I had and that I I found Mm. it a bit difficult to um, relate I think my observation is that 
I mean, to be fair, he's had another book, which obviously I haven't read, and it was a big hit. So I'm, I'm interested what that was about because this felt very like a biography. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. the other one wasn't. I just think that it's maybe a case of him getting a book deal and probably there's pressure from the publisher to churn this out as quickly as possible to, to you know, what's the word, capitalise on his stardom and fame that might be fleeting. Who knows? Like, when's this mm-hmm. Instagram thing going to stop? Um, that maybe there wasn't the time and space for him to really think about what his point of view was because that description of the book, I think, sounds really interesting and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I think there was some real gems in there. But when I reflect on it, I don't think, I don't see how it was about, I thought it was going to be about how men are in society and some sort of interesting take on masculinity and manhood and, you know, tongue-in-cheek assessment of that and I I just don't know that it was like not not all of it was about men and when it was I felt kind of sorry for him sometimes when he said that all he's ever wanted is he still cares now what men's mm-hmm. opinions are he says women tell me I'm great but I don't care because I just want men to tell me I'm great I do not share that yeah at all I, I, I barely care what men think of us which I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a, another issue that I could write a book about but I'm <laughs> just desperate for women's attention and appreciation and validation that's that's all I that's all I'm after what did you think well it's a a tough one to comment on because I as we know struggle with anything that isn't fiction in terms of reading and I actually wasn't really sure I mean it's obviously not fiction but like you say it was like and like the descriptions that it was part memoir part I don't really know what and I think you're right in terms of like how there perhaps wasn't enough I don't know it felt like there wasn't enough of a direction like it feels like all right great write about the men in your life if you're Barbara Streisand do you know what I mean like I'm not too interested about the men in someone's life that I don't really know that much about um like if you'd written this book and it was about you and the men in your life I would read it every single night before I went to bed (laughs) so because I find reading things that aren't fiction difficult I downloaded the audiobook and I'm not and and he read it and this is a plea <laughs> if you are not an actor or a voice actor specifically please don't read books and this goes to every every like it's not just for hit like I downloaded Rob Beckett's um book at the start of this year because I love Rob Beckett and I thought, I really want to hear him read it. Like, he'll deliver the jokes in this perfectly. And he's just not hes just not a very confident reader. And the thing that I found with Raven Smith's, like, his reading out of this book was the cadence was just, like, the exact same for every single sentence. So it would go up at the end like a question. And it made it really quickly unbearable. And I know that that's, it's not a reflection on the book itself, but it's a reflection on the audio book. It was absolutely torture to listen to just because of the way that he read it out. And I was like wondering if I should play a little bit of it because it just feels like I'm saying like saying this without much like grounding. But honestly, I couldn't listen to it. And every time I was listening to it, it wasn't even like it would lull me to sleep. I'd just have to be able to listen to 20 minutes and then have to pause it. There were a few moments that when I got past the way that he actually sounded, I thought were quite funny but it just really ruined the whole thing for me. Um, And then also, yeah, at the end, uh, like he lost me with the bit about not wanting women's 
compliments or whatever I was a bit like oh well you know that the majority of your readership is going to be women and gay men and you've just and it wasn't like he recognizes that that's a problem but he doesn't tell you how he's gonna address it or that like he's just like yeah and I guess that means like like I'm internally misogynistic or whatever or like I am a product of this patriarchal society and then it's like all right cool so what do you want to do about that then Mm-hmm. because that's fucking shit and his best friend is a woman mm-hmm. so does everything that she say immediate is that immediately devalued yeah there were some i did think some of it was funny i think it yeah you're right it was very much like he had to just meet a deadline because some of his pieces that he writes he's obviously a really good writer in terms of like his short form pieces for like his articles when he's got a bit of a um like he writes for vogue and he writes for and he did write for I can't remember what the other one was maybe the Sunday Times for a little while um and I've read a couple of his articles for Vogue and also it's it's actually nice to read other than the thing about women from the same viewpoint of somebody that like you agree with on the whole you like Mm. his he knows his politics like he makes his personal politics quite public so it's nice to read from that perspective like a perspective that you generally agree with um but yeah I'm annoyed because I really thought it was going to be like just lols and I thought it was going to be short essays and I guess it was um but I thought they were going to be these short essays that were really funny and really unique and there was quite a lot of like similarity amongst all of them I feel like I'm just ripping it to pieces the thing that I found the most frustrating other than the actual way that it was read aloud was that he is sometimes self-deprecating but it's in that way that you can tell he is his number one fan. He is obsessed with himself. And I was just I, a bit like... Uh, sorry to cut you off. I've written... Because I've, I've written some notes. I've written no hint of self-deprecation. Biggest problem. Exactly. And then he... But when I say there's, a, there's an element of that, he he will... He's said in the book a few times, like, my friends will call me out... Will have called me out for being self-deprecating. But actually, I know that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you weren't self-deprecate. Like, have I missed something here? Because actually, you think you are a god amongst men. And yeah. we're all, and then it just feeds into this whole thing. It's like, why have you written this book? Oh, I don't know. I'm just, now I'm getting catty. I know, I know, but- I know. But I wrote that <clears throat> note near the beginning. And I think there were, it became more he- relatable and as the book went on. But I think part of it did feel unnecessarily smug. I've written a bit about there's a chapter about sport and how oh my god yeah the funny joke with with gays in sport is so my joke will always be you know how I was just an absolute little girl in a tutu when it came to sport and I was like trying to run around do rugby and it was Uh insanely humiliating there was one time where we were in PE and oh my god it makes me feel sick thinking about it the PE teacher was so lovely and he put the ball on the penalty spot and I don't know if you've ever been on a football pitch I haven't been since but my god that penalty spot is is about four miles away from the goal it does not (laughs) look like that on tv but I was like there's no way I'm gonna get (laughs) anywhere near the goal and everyone was watching and I ran up and kicked it it stopped before the goal so then no to make matters worst bless him Mr Burnett gorgeous man people were laughing and he was like no no don't, don't worry, Paul. He moved it closer. I kicked it again. Still didn't get it the goal. Oh, no. And he kept moving it. And I know 
in his head he was probably thinking I can't move this what do I do do I just tell him to stop like it was awful (laughs) so that's always my joke and that's my self-deprecation in actual fact I was pretty good at sport I was a dancer I was played tennis I I Mm -hmm. did athletics I was reasonably athletic I could run but it was those winter masculine patriarchal sports football and rugby (laughs) that you had to do in the winter term I was Mm. crap at and that you know being good at fucking hurdles means shit when you're a little puff like (laughs) you have to be good at football and rugby so that's my way of sort of self-deprecating but actually I was good his self-deprecation is I'm actually amazing at sport but um, I don't subscribe to the idea of competition so he's like but so good luck oh he's he literally oh my god it's a quote I'm actually amazing at sport I just don't maybe it's not a quote that can't be what he said but good luck I guess to those who do I'm like that's too smoke raven you can't Mm -hmm. what you that's not likable thing to say but I, I mean I guess the other side of the argument is he's being completely honest he's very yeah. honest about things that made me feel uncomfortable and mm. maybe that's him being way more straightforward than I would be because if I was going to write a book and tell a joke about my time in sport I'd miss out the part where I'm good at tennis because that's mm-hmm. not funny yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. I would tell that story I'd tell the story about when I was handball what the fuck why were we playing handball but what they <laughs> did was they put a crash mat up against the um, <laughs> wall and that was the goal and the ball was like a football I think it was I don't know what Uh handball but it was the size of a football I've got tiny fucking hands (laughs) and you have to as a a penalty in handball is you hold a football in your hand and throw it as hard as you can I knew I know my I know my strengths I know my I know what I can and can't do but again the whole class was watching and I had to try and throw this football at biggest fucking pelt with my hand with my little fingers so obviously <laughs> what happened was I'm just gonna have to go for this I went back like that through it and it <laughs> slipped out my hand and went yep. to the right and ev- it was just a roar of laughter at how bad I was at handball so uh, stop at that that's like that's cute yeah exactly exactly and if he is because he's a very cool person super he's fucking a, cool super cool and you know when you like you imagine you're like looking in on a group of cool people and the way that you can satisfy the feeling of like oh they would not allow me into that group it's like well they're probably boring or the truth is they're actually just as weird and tragic and embarrassing as the rest of us but they just dress a bit nicer and they're a bit skinnier or they're a bit whatever um like they drink diet coke and smoke cigarettes so they're cool but he was like upholding this standard of it was like actually, yeah, I, I am fucking better than all of you. And all of my close friends are better than all of you. Um, sorry, I guess. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh, all right. Yeah. But, I don't know. One thing I do have to say, and I think this is, I, I feel like Sarah is so much better about talking about the actual writing than I am. I'm, I just talk about like, themes and whatever, but you are very yes. eloquent. But I've actually got something in terms of actual writing that... Mm-hmm. I really found quite great in about this book is his he turns everything into a verb everything so mm-hmm. oh, Charlotte showed me how to get my highlights and I've forgotten again I can't stop eating these crisps I'm so sorry I know I've finished mine it was a huge bag well these are a grab bag and I've got oh no oh, that's the best thing about bacon crispies they keep on giving what I mean by that is and I think it's a it's a good literary technique if used especially in non-fiction and funny non-fiction if used sparingly once used once maybe once, once. Good. but yeah it was a lot so I mean it did it went on the whole way through 
Well, yeah, it was easy for me because I wasn't reading it, so I missed it. But then when you pointed it out, I kept hearing it, and I was like, oh, fuck this. So it was, right, he would say, Dick Whittingtoned as a verb. So I Dick Whittingtoned something. Something, I Pollocked something, like Jackson Pollock. Um, people lemminged into a restaurant. I artful dodgered. I Bridget Jonesed across London. And while I think that that is a viable technique, I think it can be funny. To me, it really, it was basically using somebody else's idea. So we all know what Bridget Jones mm-hmm. is. So instead of trying in another way, in Raven Smith's way to explain what that means to Bridget Jones something, he just copped out and used that every single time. So it meant that there wasn't that many interesting turns of phrase or, and I think that took away from his perspective. What did he think about men? Not what yeah. Helen Fielding thinks about men. What did you think about men? And I found that difficult. And it, he said at one point, I ancient roamed, like, which was like, <laughs> like it felt a, ancient Rome fell, I guess. So he, he fell. But, and I think maybe that he, was, maybe that was the humor. Maybe there was like this joke where he's like, how much can I push these people? Yeah. To, like... I think he, re- he relied on it too much. And I think mm. the other thing is, you said this about Kylie Reed's editor, and I thought you were being a bit harsh that the editor needed to do a better job Hmm. compared to Kylie Reid's editor. Kylie Reid is a fucking Nobel Prize winning editor compared to this person. It was, and I guess this, this throws, this feeds into the idea of how quickly did they want to get this off the shelves. There were so many mistakes in this book and not just typos. It was grammatical errors. It was Mm -hmm. so many like Raven fire your editor. That was bad. That was not a good enough job. Yeah, and you know what? I take it back about the cover now because now that I feel as though it was a rush job, that is like a working cover, isn't it? Normally you would just have like the name of the title, whatever. Do we know which publisher it is? I didn't even look in the end. Uh, I imagine if you've self-published, I'm going to feel really bad. (laughs) Well, he's a writer for Vogue, so don't. No, you won't have. You know what, though? This is a really good example of like just you've got a good thing going. You've got a good thing going. You don't need a book. Molly Mayhay is a prime example. <laughs> but credit where it's due. We are in the absolute minority when it comes to mm-hmm. reviews. There's, other, I mean, there's only a hundred reviews, but they're all five star. Like people love it. But there is mates. Very Raven Smith. Well, I mean, yeah, but I can't find the publisher. Oh, here we go. Is it American? Publish. I think it will be because he speaks in Hilary, Hilary Mantel. <laughs> My God. So, yeah, it's a big publisher. So whoever, the editor at this place or whoever edited it needs, needs to have a, another look through. Mm-hmm. Well, what I was going to say is that I'm a bit gutted about the book, but I think I still value his opinion on things. Like, I'll still read his articles that he wrote an article about um, Ye's White Lives Matter shirt. Oh, and I, God. And I bookmarked it because I thought I want to hear his opinion of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still think he's fucking hilarious on Instagram. So funny. Like I it's not really changed my opinion of him in any way. Mm. I guess because I didn't really have one, but <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it's just I, I and I wish I'd read it over listened to it and then maybe I'd have more to say. I feel like I'm doing it a bit of a disservice. Yeah, and I mean, at the end, he does say like, "That's it. That's the book. Like, I did it, and I, I had to do it, and I did it." And I'm kind of like, "Well, yeah, you know, fucking what? You've done more than most by doing that, right? Yeah. 
ain't easy. So, fair fucks. Yes. Because I'm mortal. <laughs> I thought it was... Well, I th the thing that I did think of is that there's no way he would... I'm not his kind of person. So no wonder it's not my kind of book. Like he he yeah. doesn't he wouldn't like me. Like I'm not. I never was in that group. And I mean, he, he wrote a chapter about unrequited kisses, and you know that feeling when you've got your tongue in someone's mouth who doesn't want it to be in there. I'm like, no, Raven, I've no, never I done that. that. I was too yeah. scared to do that. I would never have tried to kiss someone, like non-consensually. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, I was just. I don't know. I just never. I was too. As I said, too busy hiding behind bins with Stacey. I can't remember why we did that, but we hid behind a bin once. <laughs> and yeah, drinking banana sambuca and vomiting everywhere and not having sex, you know, the standard stuff. That was it. There was so much emphasis on how much fun he was having, but I was like, well, what? What was and it? He didn't do it. There was a bit at the beginning where it was like, privilege, Claxon. My parents paid for my rent at university. And then I drank 19 19 pecans of cider to work and I was like no you didn't like <laughs> you've already you, given the game away babe recognize yeah and recognizing your privilege is not is is more than just saying privilege klaxon my parents yeah. paid for my rent it's like that's that's not that's not it made me disinterested because I thought okay so your parents paid your rent you went to New York for 90 days you were doing uh -huh. drugs like that's that's privilege and if you're not going to interrogate it properly then it's not worth writing and it's not worth yeah writing. yeah oh my god that reminds me of a joke that one of my cousin's friends who's a comedian had like put on twitter once where it was like i just preferred it when after a straight my a straight white man had said something he didn't automatically go but i'm just a straight white man what do i know <laughs> it's like i just <laughs> i wish we could just go back <laughs> yeah yeah and i thought the fact that Russell, to there was a Russell Tovey quote, I think, somewhere. There was, there was. It was just yeah. got me excited. But also, it, it positions this book exactly where it needs to be positioned because Russell Tovey is the poster boy for being gay, but not that gay. He's he's masculine. Mm. He's he's you know heteronormative presenting whatever whatever the kids call it these days and he was in big trouble a few <laughs> years ago because he did this interview and said that he was so glad that his dad didn't let him be camp and then he had to apologize for it and Russell Tovey's internalized he's the poster child for internalized homophobia Russell Tovey oh, and the, the fact that Raven Smith puts his quote and they're probably friends is like I, I, I don't want to try and sound high and mighty but I'm like yous I'm I'm happier with myself than you are. So. Do you know who I was thinking of the whole time mm. that I read that quote on the cover? Mm. Not Russell Toby, although I do know who Russell Toby is. Russell T Davis. Oh no, I love Russell T Davis. Very yeah. different Russell. I was like, I didn't know yeah. Russell was controversially. No, Russell Toby. Yeah, it's um, and also, oh my god, we can cut some of this out. This is the last thing I'll say. The way that he spoke about his husband really made me sad. If if, if Michael spoke about me like that, I mean, fair enough. Some of it he talked about, and I, I I did like his candor a lot of the time when he's talking about, you know, when you're having oh, what was he saying? Like you have these fantasies. You're not picturing 
you know you don't picture your partner when you masturbate and like things like that yeah, yeah, fair yeah. enough I didn't right. like the whole the fact that he wrote out a fantasy that he has with another man and I was like yeah that was just a bit much for me I've not gone that far sometimes I've if thought I was... what if I what if I was with Brad Pitt but it's never gone further than that he's like got a full-on fantasy with someone that he actually messages and I was just like oh, you're fucking husband <laughs> I know I know I was like imagine reading that being like I'm so proud of you baby finish your book and then reading it and being like I know I would cry I would cry and and I do think he made such there were good points that were about you know life isn't always what you think it's going to be sometimes you have to well, he was kind of saying you have to settle or something that's what I was getting from it and I was like no you have to settle to a degree in life not everybody is going to be Britney Spears it yeah. might happen, but it's well, I mean, she... well, I <laughs> she's not the best run. Britney Spears but... in 1999. But I do not feel that way about my husband. Well, my <laughs> civil partner. I don't know. And I'm not saying we've got a perfect relationship, but if I wrote that book and showed him, well, he'd yeah, be that... so devastated. And vice versa. That's for a dissolution. That's a dissolution. Anyway, thank you, Raven. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Raven. And sorry. <laughs> Sorry, but I mean, he wouldn't like us anyway, so it's all good. Do you want to hear something vaguely book-related and interesting that I did this week? Yeah. So I went to the Beebs when I was, yeah, when I was still quite unwell. It was definitely too, it was a premature attendance because the organisation that I work for does this um tv thing where children's authors read to a live studio audience of children like their books and it's really cute and it's just like like, poetry live well it's not it's not too dissimilar um do you like a double negative you know what i sometimes do i really do sometimes yeah they're funny i exactly not too dissimilar perfect do you know that spanish has double negatives, but in the sense that, you know how people will say, I, I haven't got no whatever. I've got no uh-huh. money. I don't got no money. In, in spit, I'm speaking as if I speak a word of Spanish, but my mom told us this, but she's the one who eats apples out of the bin. But she told me that that is grammatically correct in Spain. Anyway. Sorry. I think it's the same in German. Is it? Yeah. Or they just love a double negative in, in, in Deutsch. Anyway. Um, so that was really interesting. Watched the recording of that. Is it a recording when it's live? No. I guess for filming. Oh. That's interesting. Now that we're in this digital, this oh. age where you get everyone, but it is a recording. It is a recording. You're just watching it be recorded. Yeah, but it's not. It's live. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, mm. watched that. It was really good. And then afterwards, I was chatting to the director, and they were like, and it was a class of P3s that had been the last. Primary three. Primary three, sorry. Yes, the uh, that's that's uh, Scottish for primary three, and uh, it's the equivalent of year three. Little munchkins. Yeah, and they were like. Afterwards, the director was like, "That is the worst live studio audience we've ever had," and I was like, "Eh, like how can a bunch of P threes be so bad? Like, and they weren't. They were just being kids. Do you know what I mean?" Mm-hmm. They were like, "No, they really." didn't like there was a lot of like fidgeting and shifting and turning around and like at one point the author said would you like me to read another one and one of the kids went no (laughs) (laughs) 
and then he had to come and apologize afterwards which i thought was absolutely mm. humiliating um i was like let the boy have an opinion anyway then we were discussing it and i was like so what was so bad about it like blah blah blah, blah. i was trying to get to the bottom of it and then she went oh but i've just realized they will have been just about to start school when covid began and mm. so this is their first like proper year in school so they're just not used to any kind of, and I was like holy shit because then when she put it in that context and I was like I mean they weren't terribly behaved but they also weren't like you could tell that they had five teachers with them for a very small group you could tell that they'd been coached and coached and coached and coached and like I feel like in year three I could have done something like that and not been it was only 40 minutes long and yeah. I just thought it was really interesting Paul thought it was really interesting it is interesting and babe first year university students are the same Oh, not the same in that sense, but there's a you can see that you can see the difference. Six form because when you think about it, at that age, but the ones that haven't gone to sixth form that have like basically all of that online. When you think first year university, oh, you're an adult. But if you start university this year, 2022, lockdown was two and a half years ago. You were in year eleven. Shit. And there's can you, the difference between year 11 and uh-huh. out of sixth form back when you were that age was, can you imagine like getting with the year 11 when you were in the first year of uni? Like, no. So it's probably yeah. the biggest seismic shift. <laughs> yes. I've done this before. I think with you. And I don't think, well, you know, when I do my games and they don't go well. Oh, yeah. When I said it, it wasn't <laughs> quite that, but I was like, what do you think is the biggest four-year age gap in terms of how you sort of conceptualise that age? So think of, yeah, it's only allowed to be four years. It can't be children. You've, you've got to be above 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, above 18? Yeah, so you can start at 18. Because so I was going to say 16 to, 16 to 20. 16 yeah. to 20, easy. But in terms of how you view mm. those ages, like, I've got mine. Mm. It's either going to be... 21 to 25 or I'm not allowed to do under 18 am I not but yeah 18 to 22 mine in the way that I think of ages and I think this is because I remember when my parent was this age (gasps) with me is 42 to 46 I feel like 42 oh (laughs) you've you've smashed yeah I absolutely agree whippersnapper out yeah. on the town shagging yeah. around yeah all of that 46 yeah. is in the armchair with a book yeah retired yeah totally retired. oh my god you're Isn't so bad? right but like 41 to 45 same yeah absolutely same you know um i've just had a text from charlotte saying waiting for my takeaway reading your reviews haha <laughs> who wrote that oh uh, no i think that actually i don't actually know what? This is the best podcast I've ever listened to. The presenters are engaging and hilarious and have great chemistry. I can tell that their voice... Oh, this is your friend. I can tell from their voices that they're also very attractive. Really I don't know look- who that... Really Maybe looking Kat? forward to hearing more from these northern stars. <laughs> can we just pretend that it's an actual yeah. fan? Yeah. Well, yeah, Charlotte, it was uh, actually an actual fan. <laughs> um, tell her to leave us one. Yeah, leave us a review, Charlotte, actually. I mean, text her. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, I can't stop eating these crisps. I know. Uh, right, we've been banging on for years. Should we do next week's book and drunk? Oh my God, yeah, let's. Because it's a bloody exciting one. 
I think Sarah's friend. Do us one now. Okay. Imagine she gave us one star and brought down our <laughs> Right. So next week, we are Ooh. reading The Enhancers by Anke Yoda. Anke Yoda. We, oh, no, that's quite exciting news. <laughs> so we asked you a few weeks ago whether you thought it would be a good idea for us to start interviewing authors. And it was silence. <laughs> yeah, widely unacknowledged. So we took the silence as a yes. So we are going to be interviewing Anke Yoda, who is releasing. In fact, it's just come out on the 4th. But because we're famous podcasters, we got a pre-release copy sent to us from the States. And it's a gorgeous looking book, lovely lavender colour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was released on the 4th and it's a debut. And I'll just read you a little bit about Tat. It's a polyvocal novel, which I think Ooh. means it has multiple points of view. Is that what you would mm-hmm. think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That follows three teenage friends as they encounter the pleasures and alienation that accompany be that accompany coming of age in a techno pharmaceutical society. And we happen to know that she's a pharmacist. The enhancers questions who we are when valued most for our ability to process information with mental augmentation as a baseline. How do we come to know ourselves and what does it take to break free? And Sarah, it says fans of Ling Ma, who I admit I've never heard of, and Jennifer Egan, here is your next book. So I think that's why they've got in touch with us. So we are going to be interviewing Anne next week on the Poddy Waddy Woo, which we're dead excited about. And I was thinking, I said to, so we've been been talking through agent. I'm not going to lie. We've been talking through the agent. And I said to said agent, my mom hates when people say that, said, Mm -hmm. said Mm -hmm. agent. Um, We do a drink on this podcast. So can they please recommend a drink? And I was a little bit worried that, that just wouldn't go down very well but alas it did so they're saying it's eternal spotlight of no eternal sunshine of the spotless mind meets the harrison bergeron of girlhood oh, oh, I'm, I'm into it i can't wait i'm gonna read it all the way to warwick on the coach because i wouldn't need well, holding in a big 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 fat shit well hopefully it'll just stay in where it's going to be with those delicious modium right so the the drink is the chlorofreeze g and t <gasps> ingredients half no a quart it's american so i need to learn what a cup is a quarter of a cup of cucumber about five slices that are cut half an inch thick four ounces of gin Two ounces of lime juice, freshly squeezed. Four squashly ounces freezed. of squashly freezed. Four ounces of tonic water. Two ounces of simple syrup, which I think is like sugar syrup. Yeah. Yeah. This is what threw me. 30 drops of liquid chlorophyll. <laughs> I read that as chloroform the first time, <laughs> and I thought Anne was trying to kill us. And two and a half cups of ice. And I've looked it up, and yes, you can buy liquid chlorophyll on. Amazon. You probably can buy chloroform on Amazon these days. Bloody hell. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, gin and tonic with chlorophyll. What do you think chlorophyll is going to taste like? I've got a specific taste in my mouth that I think it's going to well, taste like. Metally medicinal. Ma- Shite. Well, I think it's going to taste like leaves. Oh, no, that's exactly. My second thought was nettily. 
because isn't it nettle nettle but it's nettles is it what makes leaves green chlorophyll <gasps> oh i don't I actually don't chlorophyll yeah. is any several is any of several related green pigments found in cyanobacteria and in oh, the chloroplasts of algae and plants yes cyanide and chloroform um its name is derived from the greek word don't know what that is oh chloros but it was written in greek which means pale green and and fillin which means leaf so it means pale green leaf wow well done allows plants to absorb energy from light i remember that in like fucking year two or some shit last time i did science um so our drink is gonna be green yeah 30 drops so that's a lot anyway absolutely buzzing really feel like we've made it can't wait to interview and can't wait for an american accent Oh my god, we're gonna really this is it, Paul. We're gonna have to I'm not gonna say up our game, but maybe change the game slightly. Well what we're gonna have so, to do is have a little chat before about what we're gonna ask. Can't oh, just yeah. wing it like we usually do. And if you've got any questions that you're desperate to pose to our Anne, let us know Aran. because we're we're recording next Monday. Mm-hmm. Which We've got is a good uh, ten days ish. Ten days away, yeah. Thank um, God you fucking vomited everywhere. It's really given us extra time. <laughs> well, we'd have had this. Oh, because we'd have done another one. Another bloody book. No, no time. No time. Uh, I'm really excited. Oh, I'm gonna. This is this is it. I'm gonna be Graham Norton. And I'm gonna be Sarah Hopkins because there is no equivalent. I know because it's fucking patriarchy. Raven Smith would have a thing to say about that. Yeah, no, I'm really getting drunk now. Actually, <laughs> actually. <laughs> right, I'm gonna go over to my new flat pool. Yeah, actually, yeah. Oh, it's fucking miles away, but I said I'd go over because Jack's there now and order a takeaway, eat off the floor, and then I'm gonna come back here. Fantastic. Even though I've just eaten 148 calories five times, which is about 700 calories, isn't it? 700 calories worth of crisps. I'm not a calorie counter, but I do know that that's quite excessive for just a I've light snack. I've had 152 times. I've had 450 calories. Times oh. how many? I feel skinny. No, that was it. Oh, no, you bitch. <laughs> I told you. Like my Auntie Claire says, maze. How many um servings is that bag? So it's 85 grams and the servings are 30. Fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Right, well, I'll have to, I don't know, do nothing about that. Uh, and obviously, I haven't talked about it at all, but see you Friday. <gasps> oh my God, I can't wait. See you on Friday. And then the That's Friday. That's after... strategize. No, it's not the Friday after. The 21st. Oh my God, it is. It's my That's birthday. What I was to you the other day, which means. We're coming up to our one year anniversary as well. Oh my God. Well, we really need to think and plan. I want to do a big celebration for um, reading for attention. Should we, hire, should we hire a town hall? Yes. Hire a huge town hall, huge balloon. <laughs> me, you, and Anne. <laughs> me, you, Anne, and not Raven. <laughs> We're going to have to not tag him in this. Oh, God, don't worry. No, no, no. <laughs> right, I'm going to go because I've yeah, got to leave. I'm going to go and have a big, big wank. <laughs> Is Michael not there? No, he's not. He's out with work, but I, I oh. need him to come back and feed me. 
Oh, you're pissed. <laughs> so I've got quite a, a middle of the forehead ache right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye! May love you, bye!